0: good? It was good. I'm glad to see all of you. Yeah? You're supposed to say good to see you too, right? Like, y'all have no manners. I thought we were in Texas. We're supposed to be the nice state, right? Oh, I'm glad you're here. I, I really, how many honestly would say God's doing something new in your life? All right, let me ask this question. For those that God's doing something in your life, what percentage of it is something that you asked for and what percentage of percentage of it is something he's just choosing to do. Just think about that for a moment. Pretty pretty interesting how he does what we need. He knows what we need before we ask. There are things he's doing in me right now that I've been asking for, and then there are things that I didn't even know I needed that God is doing. And to me that is just another sign of him being a good father him being faithful to his word in us. He has a lot invested in us. Think about that. Say God has a lot invested in me. And I'm a good investment. And so he is just taking his time and he's working um, the image of Christ into our lives so where we begin to look like Jesus. And I feel like something... I feel like in the future, we're going to look back at this time period and we're all going to be able to say that was when something shifted forever. That was when, I, I don't know if we went back to our roots or we discovered an ancient well of salvation that we didn't know or we had moved past and, and, and kind of overlooked. Something's happening in this moment, in this time right now that I can't get, a, get away from. I I'm dreaming more. I mean, who else is dreaming more? I'm having more dreams. And it's like God talking to me in my dreams, and I love it. I'm like, keep doing it. The Bible even says he instructs us as we sleep. Like, he, like, I don't know what to do. How many have something in your life right now, you're like, I don't know what to do? Anyone, raise your hand. Yes. He will instruct you as you sleep. He will give you wisdom. He will sing over you and instruct you and put his wisdom inside of your heart. And I, I just want you to know that when I say the word revival, what do you think of? Yeah, j- everyone just think of something about revival and say it out loud on the count of three. One, two, three, breakthrough. <laughs> Life, resurrection, freedom, salvations, deliverance, joy, we talked about last week, righteousness, peace, and joy, that's the kingdom. And I really feel strongly that revival is available that will never go away. Now, we've studied, how many have ever studied it or read of old revivals that have happened, like the Great Awakenings or the Azusa Street Revival or Topeka, Kansas Revival or a more modern one, remember the Brownsville Revival, right? Um, the Pensacola outpouring that happened. Like there are these revivals and it's almost like they have a a shelf life where the glory of God rests on a place for a season and they see amazing salvations and miracles and people raised from the dead, marriages restored, um, sicknesses healed, businesses recovering from, from financial ruin, all kinds of amazing things that only God can do. And then it's almost like that season would lift and I don't think that's God's will. Are y'all here? I don't think it's God's will for us to experience the glory of God and then it to, for it to diminish or to go away. And I, I want to challenge us as Fire Life to begin to expect what the Bible says, that we go from glory to glory, from strength to strength. The Bible says this, and this is a really powerful verse. I'll, I'll get to the Bible in Matthew chapter 5 in just a minute if you want to go ahead and open there. Matthew chapter 5. But I just wanted to kind of set a, a quick foundation today. The Bible says, Do not get drunk with wine because it dissipates, but be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. What's the, the, the meaning of this verse is God's not trying to ruin mankind's fun and their party, right? It's like God's not trying to say, hey, I don't want you to have fun and party. What God is saying is don't do that thing because it is a, it is a shadowy image of the reality that I have for you. It is a poor representation of the freedom that I can give you that won't diminish but will only increase, this thing will bring pleasure for a moment or for a season, but it will, de- it will diminish in your life. But the Holy Spirit doesn't diminish. It grows, and it, it has compound interest. And he's saying, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, because the experience that I want you to have is not one of this great moment, and then it diminishes into mediocrity again. I want you to experience this great moment and it build and build and build from not just your generation, but to the next generation and to the next generation. So what, what we're needing in the church right now and what we're needing in this house right now is to grab hold of the ancient truths of God that we can pass on to our children so that we don't rise to this place of, oh, you remember those times back in church when, when miracles happened and great things happened and, and I don't know where those days went, but they were back there and I remember them and our kids don't have something to stand on experientially. So it's diminished I don't want that. And when God invests in us, when he pours out his entire wealth, he pours out his only son for us. Not so that we would see a diminishing return in our life. Not so so that we would have these great moments and then it would slide off into mediocrity. Not that we would have these great victories and then we would live mostly in defeat and frustration. He didn't give his life for us to live like this and i know life is suffering i'm going to do a series very soon called life is suffering and that's good for us i don't know what the title is that's not going to be it cuz that's a terrible title but <laughs> but life is suffering how many would be as you get older you realize that a lot of life is suffering it's fighting through it's fighting to get debt free it's fighting to raise a family it's struggling to birth a business and then you birth the business, and then it's a struggle to keep the business. And then it's a struggle to, now what, who do I in, in bring into my business so that my business can expand? It's a struggle. Life is a struggle, but the kingdom is not supposed to be like the life that we see here on earth. It's supposed to be a different reality where we can go from those moments in life where we live from heaven to earth, not from earth to heaven, where we're not constantly crying out from crisis, but we're living with solutions that are accessible right here and right now. And I really believe this is where God's taking us as a church. And when we talk about revival, this is what I'm talking about. Revival is where we steward the space that we have. I think I'm, I'm coming closer and closer to that being one of the, the foundational definitions to me of what revival looks like. It looks like stewardship. It looks like me not only caring for what God has entrusted to me, but increasing the value of it. Because there's a kingdom inside of me that's constantly growing in interest, and it's compound interest, and it's glory to glory. So my life, my home should be more beautiful and more beautiful the longer I live in it. everything that we care for should grow in beauty and its wealth as we take care of it over time it should appreciate not depreciate and I feel like God is saying to us at fire life and he has been saying this for a few months now that revival the kingdom of heaven the kingdom is at hand it is here it is available right now it requires a shift in our priorities It requires of re-examining what really is vital and important. And I, I, you know, I hate this COVID thing that's taken place. I hate it. I don't, I don't know if it's rebellion or freedom. I'm going to call it freedom because it doesn't feel as bad, but I don't like being told I can't do things that I've always been able to do. I don't like it. I don't like not seeing people's faces when I go into the public. I don't like not being able, like learning to read that they're smiling with their eyes, but not seeing their face. I miss that. Like I, I miss those things. I miss, I miss the not being awkward when I am in a store and we accidentally get really close, and both of us are like, "Oh no, what do I do? You're, do I back away? Do you like you know?" It's this. I don't like it. I hate it. And that goes beyond even into all the other restrictions that have been on businesses that I don't think are okay. I don't like. I don't like a lot of this stuff that's gone on. But I know what happened during that time is I think God has, for those that wanted to, those that had eyes to see and ears to hear, God has told the church, come back to your first love. I really do. I really feel so strongly that he got our attention. And it's like I was talking to a friend yesterday at a a soccer game and he was saying, you know, I don't even really watch sports anymore. And this is, he and I, it's like, what we we talk about all the time, sports. Did you see the Mavs game? Did you see this, the Rangers, this and that? He's like, ever since this whole thing happened and they stopped letting fans in and then all this. he's like, I don't have an appetite for it like I used to. And he's, he didn't know that's, that's like spiritual words. He he didn't know that, but that's what he was saying. Like, I don't even want to watch it anymore. And I thought about it. I was like, there's a lot of things that have happened for us like that over time. Like, it doesn't matter. Like... Who cares if the Mavs make the playoffs? Who cares? I love the Rangers, but who cares that Elvis Andrews is gone? Like, honestly, does it really matter to my life that, and I'm using sports because this is, this is an idol that I've had in my life, like things that I care too much about. I, y'all remember when I was younger, like, dude, don't talk about scores around me because I, I might be a jerk, you know, because you accidentally let me know the score. Like, does it really matter that much? And he's, we just had that talk. Like, it's amazing how you kind of find out what's valuable. And I know that's happening in the church. And I talked about it, I think it was two weeks ago, that God gave us that ability to explore the boundaries of what's possible and what freedom looks like. And now we're figuring out, okay, yeah, I can do all these things. They're permissible. But they're not all Beneficial. Like, I mean, anyone else there with me? Like, pff, yeah, I can live like that. I can do this. I can add it to my life. It's, it's not a sin. Like there are sins that are, just, you don't get to add those to our life, right? We don't get to dabble in thievery, right? Like you don't, don't get to just add that. But there are things that, that aren't like listed as a sin against God's laws that we add to our life that can take away the affections of our heart and we don't even know it. And we realize that's not really beneficial if that's what it does to me. If it pulls me away, it's not worth it. And I feel like God's been getting our attention. And there's a couple of scriptures in Matthew 5 I want to close this down with. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 and 6. This is the Beatitudes. We've learned these. We've heard these. And um, basically what Jesus is saying is when you see people that are like this, this is the fruit that will come with it. When you see someone who is like this, who has this attitude— There will be this fruit in their life. And so he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Everyone say poor in spirit. When you see people that are poor in spirit, the benefit, the fruit of their life will be they have the kingdom. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It doesn't mean to beat yourself up. It doesn't mean to talk bad about yourself. It doesn't mean to beat yourself into depression and, and to just constantly berate yourself. That's not what it means. It means to acknowledge your need for God. Blessed are those who realize their need for God. So this is the thing I love about the Bible. Remember, if, it, if the gospel doesn't work in every culture, then it might not be the gospel. This verse works in every culture. If we're poor sometimes it's easier to recognize, man, I I can't even provide for my family because I'm not just poor in spirit, but I'm poor in flesh and I need God. And sometimes it's easier in that state to realize, man, I need God for my next meal. But you can also be wealthy and be poor in spirit. You can realize, man, I'm running this business and I'm not smart enough to run this business. This is God. God did this. God blessed me. God put these people in my life. As a matter of fact, the people that surround me are actually smarter and better at business than I am. I just got lucky to be in this room. And that's a poor in spirit mentality. I can't do this on my own. And God wants us, no matter what spectrum, where we are on that spectrum of life, he wants us to recognize, I need God, may not have had the greatest parents, but you can be a great parent if you recognize your need for God, and you can become a great parent without great parents. There's this thing inside of us that we can pull on the heart of God, and it comes through being poor in spirit, and then it goes on down in verse six, and he says, blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. So when you see people that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, the fruit will be they will be filled. Everyone say, be filled. So when I'm poor in spirit, if I can live my life with a constant awareness that I need God, that I need him, that I don't just want him, I literally need him to survive. He's my heir. He's Any good decision I make comes from him. Every good and perfect gift in my life comes from his hand, not from anything I've earned or worked for or stewarded. It came from him. Then the Bible says that when I am poor in spirit, then I get the kingdom. And if I'm hungry and thirsty for righteousness, if the things that I pursue after in life, because when we're hungry, we seek something out. When I'm on my way home, if I haven't eaten all day and I'm hungry, I will seek out whatever. If there's a McDonald's, I hate McDonald's, but if I'm hungry, I will find a way to get to a McDonald's because I need to eat something right now, right? But I will seek out something. I will pursue it. God wants us to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness, to pursue it, to look for it, to feed our souls on it. Come on. Because if we do that, then the Bible says that we will be filled with righteousness, Filled. This is a revival culture that I'm talking about. This is a kingdom culture. And it's not just for me. It's not just for you. It's for your children. It's for your children's children. And there's a way that we live that's different than the way the whole world lives. There has to be a way that we as believers live that is different than the way the world lives. We are disciples of Jesus, amen? One of the reasons we're, we'll, we'll be doing communion the first Sunday of every month is because Jesus brought his disciples to take communion and have that moment. And so as a disciple, I take communion because I'm a disciple. I'm unified with Jesus. I'm one with him. And God is calling us to this place of revival in every area of our life. Amen? Like When when God enters into our life, it shifts everything. He fills everything. He goes even places that we didn't ask him to go because he doesn't need permission. He just fills the space overflowing. The Bible says that when he enters the temple, the train of his robe filled the temple and it continued to fill it until it went out from the temple. He just fills things, amen? But here's the thing that I want to end with. And I... I'm going to end more serious. I heard this, I saw this actually, this quote. It's an older quote from Bill, from Bill Johnson. And he said this, he said, perhaps the greatest repellent to revival is that we're satisfied without it. That we're satisfied without it. And I've become less and less satisfied with anything other than what God wants. Like, there's, there's just something happening. And I don't feel like it's just me. I feel like it is happening with a lot of people that I'm in relationship with. Like, there's something happening where he's waking us up. Because there, we, we talked about it a few weeks ago, there's this progressive Christianity that's crept in to, to, the, to where the gospel is being watered down and watered down and watered down, and, and we're not of that group. We don't get to do that. Like, that's not our calling we're called to the old-fashioned, ancient truths of Jesus. And, and my fear is that there are still a lot of areas of our life where we're still satisfied enough as things are right now. Revival is expensive. Would y'all say that revival is expensive? Like, it costs us something to have a revival. Because it's a sacrifice. And we have taken the progressive Christianity, one of the biggest things that that has happened that's allowed some of these other things to come in, is we've removed the suffering and the sacrifice from being a disciple. We've removed a sacrifice of praise a sacrifice uh, of, of our life a sacrifice of our time of our offering whatever it is we've, we've removed it because we, we didn't want it to be too difficult for people and we didn't want it to be a burden and, and the kingdom's supposed to be all light and fluffy and rainbows and puppies and all that stuff right and that's not the kingdom the kingdom is at war With the world we live in. Do you know that? Are you all still with me? Like the kingdom is not being friends with the world. The kingdom's not playing footsies with the world system, like, oh, we can get along together. They can't get along together. If we think that as the world system continues on its path, that the church can be friends with the world and we're gonna be okay, you're crazy. We can't survive in a world that's going one way when Christianity is supposed to be going the other way. And we can't drift to be friends with the world. The Bible says if we're friends with the world, then we're enemies to God. I want you to please see how serious this is. We are part of a system that's at war with the other system. We can't be friends with it. And I don't mean we hate the world. I don't mean that. Hopefully you understand me long enough to know. I'm saying I can't allow my heart to be tied and anchored to the things that the world loves. I can't allow my emotions to be moved by the things the world is moved by. I can't allow the news cycle of the world to affect my mentality. 99% of the stuff we see isn't even true. And if it is true, it's not true because it's in the devil's mouth and it's twisted and it's told from a different perspective meant to cause us to move a specific direction. It's all propaganda, every bit of it. Both sides, all sides, it's all propaganda because the world that we're connected to, the world we're citizens of is at war with the other world. They cannot get along. They don't make sense. And if, if you don't believe me, and we thought, oh, well, we can just make nice, and I'm talking generally here, and I'm not talking politics, I don't care who you voted for, but the, the U.S. as a whole thought, oh, well, we'll just go a different direction, things will settle down. Have they settled down? <laughs> Actually, that system has doubled down on the things that are anti-Christianity. The, the whole new political system that's come in has doubled down on abortion being funded by our tax dollars. They've doubled down on transgender boys that have now become girls competing in, in sporting and athletic events as a girl, even though it's not a girl. That doesn't sound fair to me. Number one, sporting. It doesn't sound very sporting of, uh, of, of us, but that is being pushed down. Every law is being pushed out. Oh, it's okay. We can play nice with, with this party. We can play nice with that party. How's that going for us, church? We cannot be part of the system. We can't. It will never... How can two walk together unless they... Unless they what? The only way we can walk together with the world is either they agree with us or we agree with them. But we have to come to agreement. And it, man, I didn't know I felt all this this morning. So strongly, I really do. They, they we're at war. I was just going to stop there. I'll go way too long. So if you say you're a believer, these are the rules that we're playing by. And Jesus told us from the get go hey, you're not of this world, <laughs> you are aliens and strangers. If they, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. Your, your wisdom, that, that the church has a, has a set of wisdom that, they, that we circle around, right? It's the wisdom of God, the wisdom of Jesus and the prophets. Like we gather around that wisdom. The world thinks that's foolish. We think we're going to get along. We think we're going to be okay. That, that what we think is wise, they think is foolish. And what the world now thinks is wise is really foolish to us. It just doesn't, doesn't add up doesn't make sense because we are aliens. We were never meant to have the affections of our heart side with the citizens of earth, be citizens of the United States or whatever nation it is. It doesn't matter. We were supposed to be citizens of heaven. Are you okay? And I just never know if I'm coming across the way I want to. I always have to listen back, and I'm like, like, we have to unplug. We have to disengage our heart from it. I'm not saying not being informed and all that stuff. We should be informed. If we're not informed, how do we know how to, how to war? There's, but here's the problem. Who's informing us? What is informing us? Because the word inform means internal formation, Internal formation its building something inside of me. And if I'm being informed by an echo chamber over here, or if I'm being informed by an echo chamber over there, whatever kingdom is their kingdom starts to become formed inside of my heart. Amen? Is this making sense is this is this where you're at like it's not only political either it's in the business world the way the business world does business now is it doesn't make sense the stock market should not be where the stock market is. Like there's, there's things being done behind the scenes in all of the major mountains in education and, and business and finance and in Hollywood and the arts and government and church. There's corruption all over the place right now. And if we're, if we're not anchored to heaven And if heaven is not our home, if we don't long for heaven more than we long for anything here, then we're going to be formed by whatever rules that mountain. Mm. Jesus, help us. Give us eyes to see. Lord, we say now that nothing on this earth can satisfy, (laughs) only you. I'm gonna close now, all right? So would you stand? That will help me close faster. Our agenda has to change, okay? Our agenda can't be an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes on a Sunday morning, and that's enough to see his kingdom come. Not personally and not as a church. Like more is required of us. Our agenda has to change. Our agenda can't be to get people into the room or to grow a church uh, membership roster. It has to be to see people turned into disciples that are rooted with the ancient truths of God, that are on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. And we've got to make that the center and the focus. And that doesn't just mean the church. That means in our families, and our homes, personally. Like... Am I raising my kids to love the Lord? Am I letting them feel what it feels like when his presence comes into the house because I'm stirring it up? Do they hear in my voice when I talk about God that I love him? That's what I'm talking about because those are the things that matter. The only thing that will last is what we do for Christ. The only thing that will remain, yeah, do well in your business, build your house. I want my house to be as beautiful as I can make it, but it's gonna go away someday but the things I built for Christ in the hearts of my sons and my daughters and my grandkids, that's that's what matters. The souls that I can prophesy into that turns their world around where they give their heart to Jesus, that really matters. Those things matter. So God, I ask that you would help us to be anchored to what matters most. God, stir up the affections of our heart right now for you and only you. Jesus, we love you. The sacrifice you paid, it was worth it. It wasn't wasted. It wasn't too heavy a price. And God, I ask that you bring us back, all of us in this room on Facebook, as Fire Life and as as families, God, bring us back to you as our first love. We break off our affection to this world. We set our priorities right, come on. God, help us to be poor in spirit. Would you say that? Dear God, help me to live poor in spirit that I may have your kingdom. God, I ask you to help me to hunger and thirst for righteousness that I may be filled with righteousness. Mark me. Come on. Mark me, God. Hmm. Jesus, come on. Now you just stir up your affection for him. This is how we're going to close out. Just stir up your love for Jesus. Just think about his goodness, what he's done. Come on. Oh, Jesus, we love you. The cure to all of this is loving you. The cure to all of this is to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. (sighs) Would you pray for the person there next to you that God would stir up love? Come on. God, stir up love in us, that we would be known by our love for you and for others. We will love you, Lord, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. We will love you, God. We will love you. We will have no other gods before you. We will have no other gods beside you. There will be no competition for your love in our hearts. We will be anchored to this. Come on, we will be anchored to this strengthen our foundations come on strengthen our foundations god <sighs> oh jesus You are beautiful, Jesus. Yeah. We say what David said, better is one day in your courts, God. (laughs) Better is one day in your house than thousands elsewhere, God. Oh, our heart and our flesh. Would you say that my heart and my flesh cries out for you, the living God? my heart and my flesh cries out for you, the living God. God, we make room for you. Make room for you, God. Our table's not full. There's an empty chair. Our home's not full, God. I love my home, God. It's a refuge, Lord. You know how I feel. I love being in my house. Your presence is there. It's not too full for more of you. We're not too busy. We're not too spread out, spread thin. And if we are, we'll make changes. is raising up an army in, in this house. Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I just saw it like like the disciples were a, a very elite force. Just a few men. They were an elite force, man. They went around healing people all over, seeing crazy signs and wonders. And it was a small number of people. And Jesus had lots of people following him. They were all part of it. But there was that elite force. I want to be one of those elite I just want to be in the crowd. I don't want to be the messenger that goes and tells, Hey, this is what Jesus did. I want to be part of it. I want to be in the middle of it. I want to be one of the ones that runs back and says, Hey, you're right. We saw Satan. When we used your name, he ran. You're here and you're like, I want to be a Navy SEAL disciple. (laughs) I want to be a ranger. Come on. Would you just lift your hands? God, we say yes. We don't don't have anything to bring you. Like, I have no, no talents, no, nothing to bring you. But I'm willing. I'm available. you want me to serve tables I will I'll be a Stephen I'll serve tables I just want to be involved God with what you're doing I just want to be in the middle of it Jesus called his disciples he commissioned them like he told them okay now you got a job to do and that's the same for us go into all the world make disciples cleanse the sick cast out demons cleanse lepers heal the sick raise the dead Ah, Jesus that's a commissioning it's not it's not optional anymore Come on, all you rangers and all you SEALs out there. It's not optional anymore. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. The other commission he gave was look out into the fields. Don't say in six months in a year comes the harvest. Look out into the fields now. They're ripe for the harvest. And he said, don't pray for the harvest, but pray for laborers. So go and win souls. Go and preach the gospel. Come on. us to make the most of every opportunity would you pray that god help me to make the most of every opportunity let us work while it's day come on oh jesus we need you we love you say yes you want prayer, we'll meet you here. We'll pray for you. Amen. Bless you. We send you out. Come on. You're sent out. You are sent ones. You are sent out to do the work of a disciple. We love you. We bless you. If you want prayer, meet here at the front. Thank you for being here.